everyone and welcome to Real Women Real Talk with your host, Isabel. I hope wherever you are listening to this that you are just having a great day. It is National Margarita Day, so definitely enjoy that. So before we get started, you can find Real Women Real Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also follow me on Twitter at Real Women Pod. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Real Women Talk Podcast. And then if you would love to send me an email or if you have any questions about the show or if you would like to be on the show, you can email me at realwomenrealtalkpod at gmail.com. So thank you for listening to the show. We have a great guest on today, Miss Paula Lawton. Just amazing all around uh, modern day Renaissance woman. There isn't anything that she can do. And I also just want to give her a personal thank you uh, for being so patient and understanding with me. So we actually did this interview back in December. There's actually quite a number of interviews that I did back in December that I was planning to get out in January. But then in January, I received a promotion at my job. It like consumed all of my time and energy and I didn't get a chance to get like any of the episodes out in the, on the schedule that I had put in place. I totally appreciate that she has kept me accountable about when the episode would be released, but also being accountable in the most like loving and supportive way that that she did because in in which is exactly the type of woman that she is um and so i so appreciate that that she reminded me that this was due but also still just ensuring that like i was doing okay and that i was not like too overly stressed and like taking care of myself so i just totally appreciate that like it was it was really great to be reminded like you know it's not all about work and you have to like make time for the things that that you love so thank you so much Paula when you're listening to this just know that I am truly grateful for that so I hope you enjoy this great episode with Paula so thank you for being on the show Paula I'm so excited to have you yes I'm glad to be here glad to be with you I appreciate it. It's a great honor. Yeah. To be in support and connection with sisterhood and creating an opportunity to express ourselves authentically. Which is- so let's start by you just telling us a little bit about yourself. Wow. There's so many cells to tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know that multifaceted. I know. I feel like I have, woman to re- of- I have to rethink that question because people are always like, wow, that's a loaded question. And I'm like, it so is. I'm like, uh, oh God, the Renaissance woman. Uh, my God, multi-talented, everything. You know, I, I currently what I do um, is I teach. Um, I'm an adjunct professor. I teach uh, workforce development in adults, second-time students, second-chance students, um, and I also have personal coaching business. Um, I have a uh, online radio show with my husband, um, do catering, desserts, I do clothing design, I do business management, I do marketing and PR relations, and I, I you know, I've been trained in so many areas. And I was going to say, person. I don't know what's left. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lot of things, you know. Um, recently re-engaged my modeling um, aspirations in the world. Yes, I saw that. Um, my wife and a mom. Nice. Uh, community servants, community activists, and a community board. Uh, just so many things. Yeah. Just so many things. So let's start. I have a full life. Yes, you do. So let's start with your your modeling. So you recently had a great opportunity. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was great. Um, that was through a contact because I um, I had met through networking. I'm always in places and spaces. And she has an agency. She does casting, and she's also um, on the Arts Council with Sierra Leone. And I met her at a fundraiser, and then we just built a relationship around that. And she had this contract at um, Lane Bryant, and I went in for a walk, <clears throat> and 
Hellsworth for this runway that she was doing um, for Lane Bryant. And we've just been kind of like moving along from there. You know, I've done some stock work in the past, you know, photo work, print um, catalog work back in the day. So yeah. wow. it's great to be back in the space. Is this like a big thing that you want to do going forward, modeling? Are you looking to do this more seriously or professionally, or is it just? Something that you enjoy, and if the opportunity presents itself, then you'll. I'm pretty much a catch-all. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm prepared to be prepared. I'm, I was born ready. You know what I mean? That's one of, yeah. the, one of my mantras. I was born ready. Um, yes, I am interested in doing it. I move in such a way that allows me to um, connect with opportunities that would allow that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to be passive about it. Like, well, if it shows up, then yeah, but. No, I'm actually going after opportunities. I'm actually networking in that space right now. Okay. I'm actually uh, moving that direction. Nice. And so you have a radio station. Yes. Called Soundbites Radio. Yes. Soundbites Radio. So talk a little more about what that is. Um. So my effort with the radio show, I'm co-hosting it with my husband. Um, and the two of us, we talk about commentary and we support people that bringing the, a candid conversation and breaking away um, the angst around certain subject matter, race, religion, sexual orientation, the differences between cultures and things like that so that we can create a world that's inclusive, so that people can just see themselves through our experiences and through our um, discussions on the show in a way that will support them. Okay. We offer factual information, a lot of it is commentary and my particular perspective, um, world travels and assessments or different assessments of research and readings and you know, and, and, and it's it's a public service in my opinion. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. so you've been doing this for how long with the radio station? Well, the the sound bites um actually started two years ago. But um we just started airing on the radio in August. Oh, okay. And so what's that like working with your husband? Well, we have a lot in common. We're both very multifaceted and multi-talented. And it's, it works together in such a – we have a lot of harmony and synergy in the way that we work together. Okay. Um, so that, that allows us to have each other's company and each other's support um, inside of the facets, other things that we do. So working with him, I work with him in his music. I do a lot of production work for him, um, video work for him. We do marketing things. We do design work together. We find um, clients. I find clients for the business, business development, relationship building. And um, so, and he supports me in every way, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I don't have any hang-ups. I know I can trust him. He can trust me. Um, we don't have these, you know, because it can be weird sometimes when you're building partnerships and friendships in business with people outside of a, outside of our relationship. Okay. And not even to say that, because there are also people that I've known that have had relationships and they have had a different experience with their spouse. Right. So one spouse reaches success or the other one doesn't or what have you. This one isn't giving him enough credit or her enough credit. Like, those weird things don't happen among us, between us. We just work very well together. We have the same goals, and I think things are great. I think that's great, though, because I think that the idea, for some people, the idea of working with their significant other or their spouse would, like, send them into, like, a panic like to like the idea that they would possibly be spending all this time with really? one person. Wow. I think so. And I actually also I did date someone I worked with and it was a lot. Like it was interesting because um like we worked really well together and we're typically on point with the same ideas and so professionally that kind of helped because I knew that if I had an idea that typically he would support it because it was a good idea. And he agreed with it, mm-hmm. and not necessarily because <laughs> he was dating me <laughs> and would just support me. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think after a while, we would also get sick of each other. And it's like the weekend would come and be like, ah, I'm going to just go hang out with somebody else. Because <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you all. Week. I don't know. I look forward so, to our time. Yeah. It's an no, interesting dynamic. I think it's, no, I think it's great I, um, that, like, you don't get tired of each other is that the right way to 
could maybe say that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a it's a consciousness. It's a part of our yeah social landscape. That conversation, people, you know, but that's part of what we deal with it at a sound bite. You know, we talk about so that we can identify those things that we do and that we agree to in our society that don't necessarily support inclusion and spiritual connectedness. Because I've heard couples say that, yeah, I don't want my husband up in my behind all the time. I want him to go over there. I want to go hang out with my girls. I'm like, what? I mean, it's okay to have an independent life. It's okay to spend time with your girls. But why is that the way you're prefacing it? Like, yeah, yeah I don't want it all up in my face. And you know, some men go through, like, who talks like that? And why would, you know, I, I have an independent life. And I have things that I do on my own accord. Yeah. So, you know. And we're excited. I'm excited to go with him. He does a photo shoot. And, you know, if there's something that he goes to, I can't go to work with him. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> you know, I can't go to work with him. But, you know, we are together a lot. And we are very, very close friends outside of just being um, partners and spouse, you know. And so you two have been married officially a year now, right? A little over a year at this mm-hmm. point? Yeah, a little over a year. Yes, ma'am. So how has that been, this new exciting love? It's been the journey, you know? <laughs> it's, been, it's been like, woo all these bells and whistles, exciting times and, you know, exploration. And we have a lot of firsts that we, you know, we didn't have a long dating and engagement. We didn't have a long engagement. We didn't have a long dating scene. You know, we weren't together for five, six years and then got married, you know. So we have had a lot of firsts together as a unit. Um, we've done a lot of things together, like I said, with our creative energy, our creative things together. So, yeah, and we just expand ourselves. Yeah, well, I I love seeing you guys together. I think you guys are just the two cutest people in the world. <laughs> you know, want to be. Thank you. <laughs> well, because it's so clear and like so evident, looking at you two, like how in love you guys are with each other. And it is oh, just the most adorable you. thing in the world, I think. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so adorable and cute. <laughs> yeah. That also, wasn't our intention. I think, I think it also, like, not that it necessarily gives hope. I mean, I'm not, like, hopeless about love. But also that, like, there's, you know, I think as a single woman, I have these moments where it's like, I don't really know if that's going to happen. Like, I don't even know if the type of love that I want is is out there and available and sometimes I look at y'all and I'm like I'm gonna be all right he's out there somewhere like <laughs> like it, mm-hmm. y'all are sometimes all the evidence yeah. I need to be like I'm gonna be all right I'm gonna just wait yes girl <laughs> you better take your fucking man I ain't even playing with y'all I'm, hold, I'm holding you to your highest yes, in yes. love you get everything you want as in someone I want that for every one of my sisters is out here trying to be in that life yeah, like, yeah. And, and don't trade it out either. And there's, But see, there's some other things that I oft, always offer, too. I couldn't achieve the relationship that I have being the person that I was. Yeah. So, like, yes, take your fucking in being in intention of having that relationship, but be clear that to get different results, you have to be different. So I couldn't yeah. continue to be who I was to create what I have. So there was a lot of things that I did, that I, a lot of work that I did on myself prior to ever meeting. I was always in preparation for meeting this. Initially, I felt like love was off the charts, off, off the table for me. I was clear that I was in love with myself and I'm in contribution to the world and I'm good with that. Simply because I felt like I was such a dynamic person. There's so many parts to me that I, I didn't feel like I wanted to pressure someone else with having to deal with me. I'm like a, a nuclear reactor. I'm just like, <laughs> this is a lot going on with me. And I didn't know if there was someone who was capable of dealing with all that me. That's a lot of me. I promise you, it's a lot of me. I hear you. I hear you. It's a lot of me. And then I met, you know, and then I met Colin and then. You know, he has his moments of being high strung, but he's most, most of the time, he's the leveler. He's the person that, like, yeah. draws the line and, like, creates the nice. And he's all for the good time and all for, like, off the charts, crazy yeah. and, and silly and fun and all that. But he brings it back. He dials it back. Yeah. He dials it back. Yeah. You know, and so. And brings poise into the space. Yeah. And so I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about um, sort of finding love after distrust or, like, finding love. For the second time. And so what would you add to that? Because I know you just said a little bit. Oh, Like, what is that? Like, how do you get you know, to a place of of healing to even be open to this sort of possibility? You know, I'm going to be really 100% honest with you. 
this was a lot of simultaneous things happening at once. Okay. And see, I'm a Libra. So the Libra is the scales of justice, rationale, analytics, um, wanting to create balance, right? Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of self-research, a lot of reading, a lot of trying things on. And I I would train myself. Remember there was a movie that was like, I forget what the Chinese movie was. I think it was Karate Kid. I think he was like teaching him to paint the strokes on the fence or something. Paint, yeah. brush up, brush down, brush up, brush down. And my mind was saying to me that that's how I was going to learn lessons, by doing. Yeah. And the patience in learning the lesson. And then being with the task of painting this fence that would have me paint this fence in excellence, but this fence is also a metaphor for me painting my life in excellence and taking the patience to work through the crap and to work through, you know what I mean, and create yeah. the layers necessary to create fortification. So with that process, and it's not, I tell people all the time, it's like not like a get rich quick scheme. Like it takes time, it literally takes time to go through those, those and, and, and breaking away from what those things that don't work in our society because a lot of our behaviors are default behaviors and what we think are defaults based on the way that we've been trained. And we haven't necessarily been trained in our society properly to create the results that we want. So it's important that we are able to examine those things, yeah. unroot them, shake them off, and then try on new things. And trying on new things is very fearful for a lot of people. So it's much easier to just be, like, consistent with whatever else goes on. Yeah. So that's how I was able to heal out of all of the stuff, because I had the fortification to be able to move forward. Like, you can't, and I mean, I, at the time I was Christian also, so you can't feel um, new wineskins. You can't feel, put new wine into old wineskins. Yeah. So there was no place for this new love. I had yeah. to get rid of the old stuff. And I realized I was creating the same relationships also. I was dating the same types of men and creating the same types of outcomes. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So there was a lot of um, work that I personally did on myself and then work that I did with other people. Because you can also do the work with yourself, and then you actually have to go out into the world and practice it. Yeah. Do you feel like there was anything from your first marriage that has sort of prepared you or put you in a better place to to go into a second marriage? Because I know, and I I don't want that to be like a crazy question, because I think sometimes people are like, no, it was terrible, and I never want to go back. But I feel like we always learn lessons from previous things that, like, will still strengthen us or, like, improve for the next time we sort of go up to bat. And not just in marriage, but, you know, in most facets of life. So was there anything or is there anything did you feel maybe helped you prepare for the second marriage or were you like, no, I scrapped it all? None of it was necessary. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't in a situation where I was afraid to move forward. Okay. I was just, at the time, I just felt like I need to take time for me. That's what I did. I said, I'm going to take time for me. Um, and I, I, I wasn't in a place where I realized that I didn't have the information to be. And I used to do this exercise with myself that I'm going to work on a workshop to uh, prepare to, to give to some women in the women's circle. But I used to do an exercise where I would look, I would do a meditation and look up at the sky and how would have, like, these little floating blocks. And those blocks represent six situations and circumstances that I had gone through, lessons that I had learned, lessons that I needed to learn, things that I could file away. And then I had a chest, the black chest floating in the little corner of my mind, and things that I could deal with, I dealt with. If I couldn't deal with it, I put it in this chest and I locked it up and put it away because I'm a visual learner. Mm -hmm. I learned that very early that I'm a visual learner. So this is how I meditate. Well, this is how I was meditating at that time. So... Putting things in that box, love was something I put in the box. And I didn't put it in the box because I felt like I wasn't worthy of love or because I was mad at the world or because I hated this guy. Because I don't actually hate any of my exes. Any ex that I've ever had, I can walk up to him on the street and have a conversation with him right now. I don't, my stomach doesn't turn. Like, I don't have that kind of hatred type of relationship. And, I mean, there's some really bad things that happened to me in these relationships. Yeah. I was in a situation. My first husband, he shook and killed my daughter. She got a shaking baby syndrome. I wrote after 12 years to get him out of prison. I visited. I spoke on the board so he can get released. My daughter's wow. dead. She died at five months. Wow. I took a plane. 
to come up to New York to go speak to his board to release him from jail. He had already done 12 years. I thought that was enough. He was 19 when he did it. I'm sure he didn't mean harm. It's over now. He still has a lot of life to live. It's okay for you to let him go. Like, he's going to keep getting a parole hearing every two years. He already blew parole hearings three times in a row, so it's time to, like, that's enough. And if I'm, I, as a victim, said that it's okay, I think you should go along with that. And they did, and they let him go. Wow. You know, so that's healing good. and doing the work of healing is important. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. I wrote an essay called uh, Trauma-Ridden Jambalaya. Trauma-Ridden Jambalaya. Is that um, in your, your book? It's not in my book. It actually was an essay that I wrote for another book called Hope, Hearing Other People's Stories, you know, Hearing Other People's Experiences by um, Dr. Veroni Wright. Um, about two years ago, I have a piece in her book. Um, I'm going to add that excerpt from that to my next book, which is Keys to Soul, mm. um, to talk about the tra- that trauma jambalaya. Yeah. Um, because it's really important to see a silver lining. And I didn't always see a silver lining, but I always knew that this wasn't the end. Yeah. Today is not the end. So as long as today is not the end, I got to keep going. Yeah, so I know that you did another podcast episode that I – I listened to sort of in preparation for this and um, mm-hmm. I was like so moved I was actually like in my car like crying when I heard your episode no. I was like oh my god you know and it's, it's no. uh, I know I mean not like bad tears but it just really like moved yeah. by some of the stuff that I was saying and to, oh, you know and I and I tell people that like I I'm grateful that I've I've for the most part have been very lucky in life to not have had to go through a lot of major traumatic things that many women or people in general have gone through. Um, mm-hmm. And not to like take away from what I have been through. Right. Right. But like, like there are some big shit that people are like dealing with or have experienced that like, I'm, I'm almost blessed to say like, I, that's just not my experience. You know, I don't even know what that life is about or is mm-hmm. or, you know, and so sometimes when I hear stories and I'm just like, wow, like, I think something like that would break me, like, having to, like, go through some of the things that you talked about in this other episode. And I was like, but she is, you would never know, right? Like, I, sometimes I look or we talk and I'm like, you would never know, like, there's this full history behind you or that you carry with you. And I don't even know if you still carry it with you or if it's just, like, another piece of your life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was I was really moved, and it was it was also like a, just a great episode that you had. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It is <laughs> not something that I carry um, in a way where it's heavy. Yeah, I carry it in a way where it's a part of the tools in my toolbox. Yeah, I um, yeah, it's, it's in my it's in my because it's, it's important to understand the lessons that we learned and how to apply them to certain situations yeah. so that we make our way out of them. Other than that, the, the circumstances that we live don't really serve a purpose other than to be like me. You know, and if you yeah. believe in God, you want to be like, so God put me on this earth to go through this, 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 this. I must be a damn soul because I could have I could have taken that perspective. And there yeah. are people that take that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like – um, I use it to to encourage and support others. So you, may, I want to get make sure I mention it. Um, so and we talked to us, we started, and then I we got sidetracked. Um, so your book. So tell us about your book. Books, actually. Let me correct myself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you very much. A Queen Deferred, Volume One: A Poetic Journey. Um, and Queen Deferred, Volume Two: A Poetic Journey. Um, those are the books when I talk about my, my experiences as tools. Yeah. So um, I came up in the group home, in the foster home, foster care system, and journaling was a part of our therapeutic assignment. Um, so I, I didn't write the poetry. It took me about eight months to write volume one and about three months to write volume two. So the poems were, they were just, the stories were just sitting there. And those poems were used to support um, healing circles for women. So and then yeah, I used to I used to co I used to facilitate a group called the Sister Talks, 
through a friend of mine um, that I met through another outlet that I, another community of support transformation, um, Corel, and he enrolled me to creating this support group for women, and it was an amazing experience, like a, a, a round table circle type of situation of women being in their feminine energy, and I would offer some of my poetry that would shape the direction that the conversation would move in, move through. Okay. Um, so the lessons of my life, I've implemented them, and the stories of my life, I've infused them into the poetry that I've written. So those so, are um, the two, and then you had your first one, you tried to heal. Right. Yeah, I, volume three for Queen Deferred has not yet been completed. Okay. Um, I stopped production on that one to begin another one called Keys to Soar. Yes. Um, Keys to Soar to Spiritual Elevation. And the excerpts around that are really like those meditative focuses, those affirmations and those um, visual aids okay. to support, to support like really going through the work that, that I feel is a contribution to our humankind to, to be able to move us through some of those glitches that we have. Like I said, you know, some of the things that we learn in our social landscape don't support our growth. But we practice them unbeknownst to ourselves because they're a part of the normal landscape, or quote unquote, the status quo, the normal landscape. Yeah. And so talk to me about what you mean by a queen deferred. Yeah, a queen deferred came to me from, I, I read Langston Hughes' A Dream Deferred. Oh. Yeah, I read his poem for Assembly in the Sixth Grade. And at that time, I was 10 years old, and I felt like a quote-unquote queen deferred. So that's, I did a spin on that on Langston Hughes' title, A Dream Deferred. Nice. So, I, yeah, I felt like a queen deferred. A poetic journey being this whole, you know, the book is the books are poetry. However, the poetic journey is such that, you know, a lot of stories and poetry has like a climax, a, a sunk in, a build up, a climax, and then kind of like a cascade with yeah. a nice little bow tie, bow tie type of ending. So, those poems are the poetic journey. However, when I was living them, they didn't show up that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but for the purpose of the book, um, they are a poetic journey for the end reader at this point, which is, you know, my demographic being women, anyone, really, there's stories in it that can support anyone, but particularly for women and specifically women of color who have experienced any um, traumas or um, family ex experiences that, you know, hurt them or harm them in any way. Yeah. Nice. So where can they find your book? Um, yeah, my books are both available on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, so they're they're available always on Amazon. Okay. Um, I often have events, and when I have events, I bring them with me. Okay. So that so, I can, oh, so yeah, you I do, can like, book them. readings and book signings. Yes. Nice. The last one, I did one at the Sisters, uh, um, Sisters Cultural Bookstore uptown in Harlem. Okay. Yeah, and I read in different community-based organizations. Colin often hosts an open mic. Wow. So when he hosts an open mic, mm -hmm. we read. I recently spoke with him at Mont Hall Bridges Academy in Brownsville. Oh, uh, nice. For the youth there. Yeah. It was um, with Lopez, right? Lopez, I believe, is her last name. I, I beg your pardon? Lopez, I believe, is her last name. Yes, yes, yes okay. Nadia Lopez. Yes, Nadia. Nice, mm -hmm. that's exciting. So just transitioning a little bit. Um, so yesterday okay. you, you and I were talking, and we talked a lot about a lot about a, a lot of different things. Um, but one yes. of the things that stood out to me the most that I was still sort of thinking about today and, you know, thinking about some of the questions that I was going to ask you um, which typically I typically ask my guests, what are your squad goals? And you were just like, what? <laughs> wow. And so it was well, not, not that that was interesting because I actually, you wouldn't be the first <laughs> guest that said that, but. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks goodness for that. Yes. But what was, what I found really interesting that sort of stuck to me the most is when you were mentioning the piece about, um, best friends right like beyond a right. certain age people really shouldn't have best friends and so even though I know it if you could just elaborate on that again for the listener so that we can okay. go into that discussion 
Yeah, I want to, like, okay, so let me make a quick disclaimer. Because some people are real serious about their BFF. BFF. Yeah. I'm like that thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Let me make a disclaimer. You're, you're I'm not, some I'm, triggers for some people, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> so please, let me, like, for your listeners, like, let me censor this a little bit for you. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't with, with a hard stamp, like, no best friend. What I'm saying is as a developing person, as an expanding and dynamic people that we are um, in our social landscape, we develop needs for certain things. And oftentimes our one BSS may not be able to support all of the needs that we have as developing adults. Yeah. Um, so mentally, if you're locking yourself into this concept of a BFF, that kind of stagnates your growth in other areas. Unless you intention to grow and you make yourself applicable to spaces and you have networks and you do things that allow you to be nourished in a bunch of different ways that you need as a, as a dynamic person, mm-hmm. you oftentimes don't get that um, because it's a place of comfortability. You locked yourself into this best friend comfortable space, this BSF comfortable place, and that's where you stay. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, as an adult, you don't need a BFF. You can have so many good friends, and and as you expand, there's so many amazing pieces of yourself that you can give to other people. Yeah, um, yeah. In I the expansion of friendship. Yeah, I was so intrigued by this thought. It's been like in the back of my head all day, or just about all day. But, you know, and it's interesting because oftentimes we think of our friends and our, like our sister circles as that support because you know the world is always trying to come at us like people are always trying to keep us down people are always coming for us and like this is sort of the one safety net either this person or this group of people are like the safety net from all of that right this is like your safe space to just say what you want and be what you want and do what you want and I don't think I've ever considered that like this same safety net was also a hindrance yeah like it never even dawned on me that possibility like that Mm -hmm. thing you know the same people that you run to could actually not be not intentionally holding you back but not giving you space to grow that's true yeah that's right so I like I was I've been like dumbfounded by this whole Yes, expansion. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh my god, like you, like you blew up my whole mind. I was like, oh my god, I've never looked at it that way. I don't know if uh, I it to be that deep, but I took it super deep. <laughs> no, I, you know, I never. Let me be really clear with you. I never intention anything to be really deep. People be like, man, you so deep, girl. You, girl, you know, you mad deep. I'll be like, hun, it is not that serious. <laughs> I say what needs to be said. Um, I'm real clear about um, <clears throat> my fork and my intention around what I'm saying, and what I'm saying is always in love and in support yeah. and in support of supporting someone else. Yeah. So offer it that way, but it's not the intention to be deep. Um, but I do believe that we, we need to expand more. Yeah. And a lot of my focus is on people of color, particularly women of color. Yeah. Um, and we have very specific challenges that occur in our world. And I know that being in this space that allows us comfortability oftentimes doesn't support the growth that we need to be and elevate to who we want to be and what we want to create. Yeah. So and part of that is that BFF thing or our little network of our little hive of girlfriends and, you know, this little space. Yeah. And, you know, because for many people, I think, particularly for, I don't know if it's the same, if it operates the same way for men, but, you know, there is this, like, phase where you go through where, like, you feel like new people don't get you or, like, new people can't relate to you. And so you literally sort of go through life, like, I don't need new friends. Like, I have the people who Mm -hmm. know me and love me and support me as is, and they take me with all my quirks, and they they don't require explanations. And like, right, a disclaimer, everything. Right, right, and they okay. don't have to. They, you know, they don't have to ask like, why is Isabel like that? Like, why is she so? She could be a little stink sometimes. Like, why is she like that? Well, yeah, you know yeah, what? And it's okay. So it's, 
and I've never really thought that maybe the, maybe it's a good thing that new people are asking that question. Like, why is she so straight sometimes? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's a thing. That's definitely a thing. And I talk to people about that all the time. Yeah. You want a disclaimer. When you're talking to new people, you want a disclaimer this behavior. And yeah. granted, I don't want to go around new people because I don't want to have to disclaimer myself all the time. But the truth about the truth is people are more alike than they are different. So the yeah. same stank that you might show up with sometime, other people got it too. Mm-hmm. If you just be with it in a way that's authentic and loving and not hateful, but what I realize is that a lot of people get into their shells that they have been in their shells for so long that they wear a nasty disposition. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much smiling they do, how much laughing that they do, or how much masking and pretending that they do, they still hold a nasty disposition about themselves, and it's a frequency. And other people can see it. So, yeah. therefore, you're not cultivating the residual that you want to receive because yeah. it's you who's creating this nastiness, you yeah. know. So, And then almost making an excuse for it with this disclaimer, which is like, this is exactly. how I am. Yeah, this is how I am, and you got to take me how I am. I'm like, um, so no. And I had a conversation with a young lady who wanted to date, and she kept saying that, well, yeah, and if he loved me, he'll take me. I said, well, hold on, because if he loves you, he'll let your butt walk. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know who else? You know who he loves, too? He also loves himself. Yeah. And I will tell anyone, you don't need to be the person that people walk in your face because they are some kind of way. You need to work out your junk. And you put it into perspective, yeah. and you need to come to someone with a game plan. Because no one's perfect, but come to me with a game plan. Don't bring me your crazy. Like, keep mm-hmm. all your psycho crazy. Mm-hmm. Keep it to yourself, because your psycho crazy is impeding on my quality of life. You okay. hear it? That's how I feel about it. I hear you. See what I'm talking about? Dropping knowledge, Paula. I just, I can't do <laughs> <know> it with you. <laughs> it's impeding my quality of life. I got a problem with that. Like, you're crazy is doing much, and it's impeding my quality of life, and I'm going to have to give you your walking papers, my boy. Yeah. Love you like I love cooked food. Yeah, and it's so, you know, and it's so interesting because it's so easy. Like, it doesn't take much for us to, like, discredit or disregard, like, like, a constructive feedback that people are giving yeah. you, right? Like, Like if somebody, and just the other day I was talking to, I've been talking to a gentleman and I guess something I said came off very off-putting and Mm -hmm. he was was just like, do you always like talk like that? Like, Ooh, okay. And I was like, yeah, but like I was joking and he was like, well, there wasn't like much funny about that. (laughs) Okay. Right. He really threw me off because I wanted to be like, well, like, other people find it funny. Like, other people, like, get me. Wrong. Try a game, Charlie. And I really have to be like, you know what? <laughs> Try a game, Charlie. And I really have to stop and be like, okay, like, let's evaluate, Isabel, like, really what's happening here. Right? Like, let's. Okay. And I think because of the work that we've done and just me being a lot clearer about the type of relationships that I want to create with people like not being so quick to just discredit that yes you know and so because I know like even a couple of years ago if homeboy would have said that I would have been like well I need you to just like toughen up because clearly you can't take a joke but now like you and your feelings why you and your feelings (laughs) yes instead of being like well maybe I what I said really did come off the wrong way and like that wasn't the intention so like how can I make sure that this doesn't happen again and not because it's like I'm looking for change but also like there's a way clearly that people are seeing me that is is a message that I'm not trying to deliver that's right and that's where I was yeah and so how do I physically and verbally portray the message that I'm actually trying to give because mm-hmm. like clearly he didn't it didn't it didn't drop like it didn't connect <laughs> Right, perfect. Yeah, I think it takes a lot to, like, get to that place where it's just you're not disregarding what people are saying about you, like, and because then it's like, do other people feel this way? Like, do other people feel like I've said things that I meant as a joke, but they actually took it serious or personal and it was offensive and I didn't even know and they just, they just assume, like, this is how I, how I am, so they just let it slide? Yes, that's 90% of it. Yeah, it was like it was it was like such a crazy moment, but also like like having the conversation, but also realizing like 
I was in a like that I was even in a place to like acknowledge that that was what was happening you know like Mm. acknowledging that like a couple of years ago I would have never even considered that like maybe I was actually wrong (laughs) okay so maturity that works yes I I feel such an adult Jesus (laughs) okay all that adulting that adulting is exhausting stop playing (laughs) no it is really tired but (laughs) <laughs> but at one point, at some point, at, it, it, at some point, it comes with such a harmony and such grace that at the end of the day, and I believe that once you tuned up your frequency, it doesn't even matter anymore. You can pretty much say whatever. Like, you know, yeah. I talk to people all the time. I, you know, yeah. I, I have to. And I, I, I mean, I, and I have to keep it real because that was a pivotal juncture change for me. When I was getting that feedback that I was coming across with the same rhetoric that I have now, but I was coming across like this green over. Like I had a flashback once. I was talking to my ex, ex fiance almost 15 years ago, and I saw myself like the green ogre from Shrek. I was like, but not a cute one, an ugly one, <laughs> but like a big wart on the nose yeah. and like, oof. Just being mean and overbearing. I was like, what the hell? And I'm trying to say something nice. I'm actually trying to tell this man that I love him, but I'm sounding like a psycho right now. I'm very angry and very hostile. I'm coming across as a bully. So when I saw myself that way and I got that feedback from my world, I had to tune up. Yeah. I had to tune up. Yeah, I hear you. And I, you know, I feel like sometimes adulting gets a bad rap, right? Because it, it implies like all this responsibility and like work that you have to do with bills and stuff and like yeah no one really likes that part of like life but but I also appreciate it because I feel like adulting really means that like you've grown up like you have matured and Mm -hmm. it that doesn't have to be like a bad thing right like no it doesn't because I'm a Toys R Us kid and I will never grow up (laughs) I will never grow up I'm a Toys R Us kid (laughs) Yeah, and so I don't think that there is necessarily anything bad with, like, adulting all the time. It's just, like, yeah. like, I had, I you know, I tell people all the time, like, I went, you know, I went away to school. I loved me from college. I had all types of ridiculous fun in college. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, I think a lot of people now would probably be very surprised to hear about. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, girl, I had some story. Oh, Jesus, I had some college stories. Ooh, you wasn't at the girl gone. You wasn't at the girl gone wild parade when there was the darling. But you down there to that girl gone wild parade. Girl. Not quite, because my mama she still would have put me in the headlock. You know, I had to, but oh my god! But you know, thankfully we didn't have all the internet that we have now. So even if oh, it was, with nobody know. Yeah. On the low low was over there being a bad girl. Uh huh. Basically. But and, but I also feel like now, like, I've done all of that. Like, I don't, like, I don't miss any of that, you know? Like, I've done yeah. it. It was great. And, like, I can sort of move on to do other things. Like, there's nothing that I miss about that. Like, I don't feel right. like I missed out on anything at all. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like adulting sometimes gets a bad rap. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it's an experience, an experience, and I and I also, you know, give grace around that, you know, for people to comfort themselves. You made some reckless decisions. You might have smoked some pot. You might have thought it was cool to be a stripper for a little while. You know, I didn't have the the nerves for that back in the day. I just throw costumes for the exotic dancers, <laughs> but I myself couldn't do no exotic dancing. Um, I didn't own myself that way. However. You know, it's a part of that growing and that life curve. It just depends on the space that you're in, you know, yeah. where you are in your life and the circumstances that you live and the things that range. I just really um, impress upon people to be safe, especially the young people. Oh, just absolutely. be careful in your exploration. Be careful in your expanding because in order to expand, you have to learn lessons. You have to experience these things to learn, to learn the lessons. So just be careful around it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that should always be first. Like, you should always definitely yes. being be mindful of your actions and your safety and other people's safety also and it's okay and it's totally okay to live a life like there's no like there's some looming you know ideals around perfection and you know being the the perfect person and man please that's all crap it's impossible there's no such thing as a person you can strive for perfection 
But being perfect, that's something completely different. There's a concept of being perfect that people are clear that they can never attain, so they don't even bother trying. So they yeah. just mask themselves, and they try to fit into a mold to mask themselves, to try to walk a certain way and talk a certain way and behave a certain way yeah. and do all these things that doesn't really work. And, yeah. it, and it causes you to have a poor self-concept because you, you realize that you're not who you are and you feel inauthentic and you feel like you're betraying yourself. Yeah. And yeah, and also it's tiring. <laughs> like, this shit is okay. Exhausting. <laughs> I told my students, you can have one personality, you can have one professional personality, you can have one home personality, one at church personality, one at your. I have one personality. I don't have like five different yeah. personalities. Yeah. I'm in full bloom all the time. Stop playing, girl. Don't have me come through. <laughs> I'm in full bloom all the time. It doesn't really matter, and I don't owe no explanation to that, yeah. you know, but I also, I'm also committed to being connected to people, so it doesn't matter where they're from, Belgium, Canada, Senegal, you know, Honduras, Thailand, mm-hmm. Vietnam, it doesn't matter where I meet them from, it's all people, it's all humanity, it's all love, Yeah, you know? So going back to sort of the initial question, because um, I, you know, not necessarily a squad, but like, what are your, like your sisterhood goals? You know, how do you encourage and support sisterhood? Um, sisterhood is, is a real big deal for me simply mm-hmm. because I'm the eldest of eight sisters, but I don't have that relationship with all of my sisters that you way. You said eight? I'm the eldest of eight. I beg your pardon. I'm the eldest of eight children. There are six girls and two boys. Oh, Jesus. That is a lot. So yeah. Okay. Um, I'm really, I'm really close with one, or two of them, um, okay. and and that's just the residuals of the relationships that have occurred due to, you know, foster care and different things like that. And I've made opportunities to create those relationships, but you know, it is what it is. You have to participate in order for that to occur. Yes. Um. So, but in in the world, uh, I I'm a stand for sisterhood. I'm a stand for community. Period and support. And love, you know, and I know that a lot of things that happen in our society, like I said, <clears throat> I give grace to a lot of people in the behaviors that we have because some of us have behaviors that have come out of, of our learning that are, don't serve us in terms of creating connection and the networking. I've run into quite a few different experiences where, you know, I haven't even said a word and I have people competing with me and I can tell by their actions. I, can, I have people, you know, I've been in spaces where, Instead of women coming in to create partnership and create relationship, they would rather, you know, try to undermine or be in competition or try to create, like, stuff that just doesn't matter, you know, because I'm not here for any of that. You know, I, I try to create a space because I connect to people, so no matter how you may fashion yourself, I can still see you. And that's part of the benefit of having been through so many different situations that I have a pretty good eye now. Um, so I see you. And, you know, if the, the opportunity presents itself, I'm definitely willing to be with whatever that experience may be to help forward the experience between the two of us or the community or what have you. Because as women, we don't get enough support from the, the world's landscape as it is. You know, women across the world, we, we, you know, women are not put in the place that they should be in terms of what they, the attributes that they give to humanity. Women make such huge and enormous contributions to the landscape of humanity. One, giving birth to the children, raising the children, and being a stand for love and balance, mm-hmm. just the intuitive nature. So I stand for that. You know, even sisters that may not necessarily be standing for it for themselves, I'm still not going to downrate that sister. I'm just not, I'm just not going to be with you. I'm not going to bother with you. Yeah. But um, I wish you well, and I hope everything works out for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, my sis- the sisterhood circle that I used to co-facilitate, um, this sister talks was like, you know, a group mentorship type of experience. It was very, um, me pouring myself into the space and holding space for the women. A lot of women have been forwarded and they, they connected and they created great results and they needed the words that they needed to receive or the sisterhood, the safe space they needed to have was there for them. And, you know, I have about 50 different women in my mind, in my head, at any given time, what they do, what their skills are, what their mm-hmm. what their goals are, what they're looking to create. So if I happen to be in a space and a place to hear something, I pass it on immediately. I send it over to so-and-so immediately. That's how I'm living because as a, as a collective, we need to be forwarded. <clears throat> you know, everybody can't have a beauty parlor because how is the community, how is the community, the nation going to be raised if everybody has beauty parlors? I'm just saying. 
Yeah. Real, real terms in terms of nation building and creating a society, like everybody can't have a beauty parlor. Yeah. You know, they, we have to have we have the variety and we have a wealth of information and opportunity and intelligence and, and ideas and creativity that us women we have. I just like pass it along. You know, even if I can't use it myself, I say, here, this sister, here, do this. Here, sister, let me, yeah. I heard about this. Connect with this person. Go call that person. I heard, I saw this. Here's this flyer. I seen it in the window, et cetera, et cetera. And I just shoot it out there. I saw this, you know, RFP come up on DCAS. You might want to check this out, girls. I know you got your license or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is what I do. This is how I create sisterhood. It's not always reciprocated, though, because we also live in a society where people believe in, like, taking mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, like, being in a, in a scarce mentality, you know, and, it is what it is. I believe yeah. that my heart and my energy that I put out there, it is purest and it is what it is. So I'm clear that everything will be just fine as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But I'm a space of sisterhood. And you so know. what would you say, and I know you mentioned a little bit the scarcity, but what would you say is missing from sisterhood today? We're just too competitive. We, we You know, we're busy trying to fit a mold that, you know, came out with, I believe, Girlfriends. Remember the TV show Girlfriends? Really? Um, I believe that we're too busy trying to be that sassy Stella got her groove back, you know, mm-hmm. fly girl with her Louis Vuitton purse. You know, we're, we're, yeah. we have not created who we want to be. We've all, we're all trying to fill into being this character, you know, that started mm-hmm. 20 years ago. The creation of what the affluent, you know, woman of color looks like. Michelle yeah. Obama. And a Michelle Obama is great. Yeah. A type of Michelle Obama is great, but every woman can't be Michelle Obama because every woman is not supposed to be Michelle Obama. Right. You get what I'm saying? Every woman is not going to be Oprah Winfrey. And you know what I mean? So yeah. women have their own vibration and yeah. they're just, we're so multifaceted. And so many of us don't get the opportunity to fully expand because we're busy trying to do what works or do what is was hot was 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 hot now. Yeah. You know, be that type of person because that's the end thing now. Everybody's voting for, you know, those Cardi B type chicks. Let's be that Cardi B type chick. Yeah. You know, let me be that, you know you know, let me be that, you know, Leisha Keys type chick. Let me yeah. be that, you know, whatever 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 that particular mold is. Yeah. You know, like I said, and then that's what I'm seeing and that's some part of what's what's anchoring some of the relationships with us as women because that also creates competition because there's already a Cardi B. There is only one. She's already here. Yeah. So you can't be her. You know what I mean? You need to be who you are. Create your own brand. Be your own authentic you. Yeah, and I think what's um, interesting about that too is that it also, you know, like even these women as celebrities are going to go through their own changes and their own growth. And then like if you've attached yourself to what you think they are, who who you think they are, when they start changing and going through their thing, like where does then that leave you, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Because I, I feel yes, like no, when, no. you know, Alicia Keys is, and that's what made me think about it when you said her name, like she's gone through some major, I guess, like personal changes with like the yes, makeup and the hair and things. And like people were really coming for homegirl. <laughs> like, yeah, they were coming for her for a minute. And it's just like, she's just trying to live her life. Like, this is how she's choosing to live it now. Like, why does it matter? But I think it's because, you know, they've attached themselves to seeing these celebrities or these women in a certain way that it's like when you step away from that, who are they? Like, yeah. you, you don't know who they are. And so maybe you also don't know who you are either. Right? Like, it's it's kind of an interesting notion. We oftentimes have to talk about, you know, the propaganda machine and we talk about the celebrities because, these are the messages, you know, yeah. unbeknownst to ourselves. Um, we, we as the women, they, you know, we we find our, ourselves moving in and out of these different spaces that doesn't give us the opportunity to do this. Yeah. So it, yeah. And it's definitely, we, we definitely don't do enough self-investigation because we just come up going under whatever is hot right now. You know, the television is programming us, we're getting these signals and we're, following along with these messaging. You know, it's an unfortunate situation because um, it affects how we have relationships. It affects how we are sisterhood. That is a big deal, and it is impacting us, and it is creating um, this sense of competition and this sense of urgency around there's just not enough for everybody to get enough. Yeah. And if you already got a Cardi B on stage, you can't have four Cardi B's on stage. Yeah. So all of these other Cardi B's are going to be trying to trip these other Cardi B's 
get to the stage when it's already one up there. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, and I have I have so many conflicted feelings about not Cardi B, but sort of all of the accolades that she's getting. You know yeah. how she represents the round the way girl and like these girls that don't ever yeah. get no love. And I'm like, and what I think about is like, man, when when she drops, you know, like when she's not as hot and like when people ain't trying to pay for her, pay attention to her, like what happens to all these girls, you know, that they. Before Cardi B was Nicki Minaj. Before Nicki Minaj yeah. was Nicki Brown. Before them was a bunch of, you know, other types of women with that same Madonna. Yes. A social consciousness is okay with a chick like Cardi B, but not so much with Michelle Obama that has two master's degrees from Ivy League University. Yeah. So you get what I'm saying? Like, they were posting pictures of her dressed like a monkey, behaving like a monkey in, like, newspapers. So was that cool? That wasn't cool at all. Like, yeah. that's just not cool at all on no level. Yeah. This is an interesting, it's an interesting um, perspective around that. So that's why I, I, I am really strong with women being with themselves and their authentic self and doing whatever it is you need to do to expand who you are and your self-vision. Yeah. And, as a, you know, as a person, you want to really, like, grow yourself and create what you stand for. Mm-hmm. Who are you in the world? Yeah. You know, what are you stand for? What are you doing in the world? Like, what is your, your – what are you sticking your fork in? What are you committed to? And a lot of us don't create that space. We just file along and just go along and get along and do what we're told to do mm-hmm. so that we can have money to buy stuff. Yeah. Everybody just want to have money to buy stuff. Yeah. It's not a life. That's not a quality of life. That's not creating, that's not expanding your humanity. That's not expanding your, it, it doesn't serve you as an individual. It doesn't grow you as a person. You're a living life form, like a plant. Yeah. And it doesn't support you growing as an individual. It just allows you to continue to dress up your outside while your inside is withered up, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> prune or something. You know, it, it's not lively. And when the light is not on in people, it doesn't matter how much dressing up the outside you do, I can still see it. The world is still experiencing yeah. you as dried up. Yeah. The world and is still experiencing you as no light. Yeah. And, you know, we all know our masks are never that good. So. They're never that good. <laughs> okay. And it's only, it only, a mask is only, uh, uh, is only an illusion to the wearer. Yeah. It's not an illusion to nobody else because the rest of the world is telling you how they're experiencing you. Yeah. And if you have the world associating with your mask and you're feeling like you're out of integrity with yourself or that you're not experiencing yourself at the fullest, this is where inadequacy mm-hmm. issues come in. Mm-hmm. This is where self-esteem issues show up at. Yes. I you know? Mean, yeah, it's a lot. I a lot. know. It is a lot. And all these things are attached to friendship and sisterhood. Yeah. So this is why it's important to have knowledge of these things. Yeah. And be able to connect with these things. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm just always so excited to unpack these things. So the more people that have the information and that know it, it's the better. Yeah, the better. Well, thank you so much for coming on this thank show. You for I'm so excited me. that you were here, being thank you. fabulous and dope as always. I just love okay, it. Okay, I appreciate you, your <laughs> dopeness. <laughs> With your beautiful dopeness. Thank you so much, my dear. Thank you. Um, so share with the listeners um, any of your websites, your contact info, your social media, yes. anything that you want to share. Well, I absolutely. Um, okay, so I'm on Facebook as Paula Lawton, L-A-W-T-O-N, my author page, as well as Soundbites International. Um, and I can be found on Instagram as Nefera to Matira, which I didn't even talk to you about. No, but that I knew my there was something name. I wanted to bring that up. Was, <laughs> yes, that was my, my woman's hood rites of passage. And my name, my name was Nefera to Matira, which is Sacred Lotus, Blossom of Love, Joy, Harmony, Abundance, and Balance. And I'm Tula, I give my heart. So you can find me on Instagram on N-E-F-E-R-A-T-U-M. A-A-T-I-R-A. Nefaratumatia. Yes, ma'am. Nice. And any, so any final thoughts, any closing pieces? Sisterhood, just 
you know, I just believe that we just have to continue to work on ourselves and be with each other and be grace for each other and be a space for the expansion of our sisters because we're all here on the third rock from the sun experiencing life mm-hmm. through different eyes. And we just want to be able to be a space for the healing and the growth of our sisters. All right. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. And thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Anytime. And you're always welcome back whenever you want, of course. Yes, indeed. I appreciate it. Good. Good night.